Welcome to Friendly Words, the sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, November 20th, 2022. It focuses on giving thanks for things which last forever. The message to all who will listen is, our minds should be set on things above, not on earthly things. Now, here is Pastor Mike Neifert. God, you are so good to us, and we acknowledge that there's far more to give thanks to you for than we even imagine. We take a breath, and you've given us that. We think a thought, and it's you who made our brain to make those thoughts come to mind. There's so much that you do for us that we take for granted, and so today we want to give thanks Tomorrow we want to give thanks, the next day, the next day, all the way through our life. Help us to keep focused on what you've done for us and to give you thanks in all circumstances. I pray today, God, that your word would accomplish what you desire and that we would lead this place some more grateful people, uh, people who are thankful for things that maybe we had lost track of. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, this Thursday is Thanksgiving Day. I'm guessing some of you will be gathering with family, maybe with some friends, to celebrate with a large feast. Turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, gravy, rolls, yams, cranberry sauce. Am I missing something? Okay, all those things. Pumpkin pie. How could I forget pumpkin pie? That's such an important item. When everything's prepared and placed on the table or on the counter for the buffet line, many of you will pause to give thanks. You and each family member in turn, one after another, will speak words of gratitude for things like a roof over your head, a warm house, drinkable water, sunrises, sunset, access to the internet, the car that gets you places, family, friends, pumpkin pie. When everyone has spoken their gratitude into the space between you, you're going to pray and you're going to dig in and a half an hour or so later you'll have eaten far more than is wise and you waddle into the living room and collapse on the couch and fade slowly into a post-turkey coma. When you recover, some of you will do the dishes and others will turn on football. Giants, Cowboys, Vikings, Patriots, while others head outside to throw stuff. Our family will probably play a few games of cornhole. As the sun drops below the horizon and darkness falls, you will pull out the leftovers and snack on them while playing board games or talking about life or watching Netflix. Eventually, everyone will go home to get a few hours of sleep because Black Friday is the next day. You got to get rested up for the mad rush to buy more stuff to give thanks for. I was challenged as I read the, first, the final chapter of Matt Walsh's book, Church of Cowards, recently. The book as a whole is a gentle yet firm corrective to the church in America. The closing pages call Christians to shift their focus from temporary things to things that are eternal. So listen to a few words from pages 173 and 174, and this is what he writes. 
The multiplication of desires. This is what our culture has given us. It gives us things and the desire for those things and the more attached we are to things, whether those things are physical objects or sins or pets or people, the less we hunger for the real bread of eternal life. Every petty and meaningless desire of ours is filled. We have so much that we even invent new desires and fulfill them too. All of this is empty. None of it has any substance, but we drown our souls in it, in the sea of nothingness, and God is pushed even further to the periphery. Our lives have become consumed by so much noise, so much commotion, so much food, so much media, so many advertisements, so many lights and sounds, and all it does is keep us focused on a million things besides the one thing that matters. We run from God into the haze of modern culture, and we lose him somewhere in the chaos. Not the normal Thanksgiving Sunday fair, but it's important for us to take stock of things as they are, not as we would have them, because this is reality for us. We have so much and still we want more and more and more and more and more and more and more. We, like our unbelieving neighbors, are becoming less and less satisfied, less and less content, less and less at peace. And this is not how God wants us to live. I'm thankful Mr. Walsh pulled back the veil on our selfishness and that the timing of my reading of his words were such that I could share this good news with you before Thanksgiving Day and Black Friday, before pumpkin pie and price drops. I do so hoping that you will perhaps shift your focus or the focus of your gratitude list toward things which last longer than the latest trend. Don't take that to mean that I'm chastising you for thinking of family and food and friends. I'm simply asking you to look heavenward, to think kingdomward, to set your hearts on Jesus and to seek to know and love and bring glory to God now and always. Forever things alone can bring lasting joy, can stir up lasting things. So think back over the past seven days. What temporary thing failed you this week? What fell apart, rotted, quit working, made you mad, broke your heart? Did you experience relational discord, dissonance, distance from others? What fears and worries took your eyes off of God's goodness? What desires and pleasures, wants and needs distracted you from him? We so often experience turmoil because we look at what's visible and forget what's invisible. We think on what's locked in time and forget who's outside of it. We love what's here and now and forget the one whose love is everlasting. So listen to Jesus' words from Matthew chapter 6, 19 to 21, to those who got a lot of things mixed up. We've got these eternal and temporary things mixed up. If that's you, it's me sometimes. If that's us, let's listen to what Jesus says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then skipping to verse 2, we hear him speak again of what's important. I'm reading verse 24. Pay attention to the warning he gives us concerning money. Consider whom or what you are devoted to. 
Here's Jesus, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And immediately after this, Jesus launches into this even longer teaching on what's most valuable, what you and I ought to focus more attention on. So listen to verses 25 to 34. Hear what God wants us to give up and what he wants us to seek. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Amen. So what's Jesus saying? Isn't he saying that eternal stuff matters more than the non-eternal stuff? Isn't he urging us to fix our eyes and our hearts on the former? Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, he says. The treasures of this next life are far better than those of this life. Every single thing that we gain now can be destroyed or stolen. The treasures we have now on earth break, they fall apart, they wear out, they end up in a box in the attic or on a shelf in the garage or under a pile of other people's treasures at the landfill. And when we die, none of them go with us. I am on my third pair of Bluetooth bone conduction headphones that I use in the morning running because the first and second pairs eventually became unusable. The first pair quit working. The second developed a rattle which distorted the sound on my left ear and it drove me nuts. I still have that pair as a backup if the battery goes dead on my current pair, but I'm on my third pair. That's how things work. Treasures on earth, the things we buy and consume and then toss aside are not the same as treasures in heaven. Go after that which is going to last. Give thanks to God for the treasures you'll receive when you enter glory. Money. Jesus says it can become an idol. He warns against letting cash turn your heart away from him, away from God. He cautions his people, don't devote yourselves to wealth. If you do, you'll end up, does it say, despising God? That's pretty crazy. Anybody want to be despising God? No. Not me. I want to love God. I want to give thanks to him, to give thanks to him for his goodness and his love and his salvation. But if I get so fixated on money and how much I need and how much I have to have for retirement or how much I have to have for this thing or that thing, it can become an idol in my life. 
you know, God's been working on me in the area of money. He's been prompting me to find ways to be more generous with it. To give it away more freely to those who need it more than I do. And I still have a long way to go, but I'm willing to let God lead me and grow me up. Yeah, it's a growing up thing, a maturing thing. I'm willing to learn how to give like he gives personally, sacrificially, joyfully. God, help us to be less stingy, less judgy, and less greedy. No amen on that one? <laughs> All right, finally, Jesus addresses our obsession with food and drink and clothes. He acknowledges these are things that we need, and he says, God knows you need them. Who doesn't need food and drink? We, we wouldn't last long without them, right? We'd die. Without water, you don't last very long. Without food, you'd last not more than a week or two or three. I'm certainly glad I have shoes and socks and shirts and pants and belts and coats and sweaters and hats and scarves and gloves and all those things. It would have been pretty chilly this week without those. Let me comment on worrying about clothing for a second. The fashion industry changes things up all the time. They do so to create discontent. They want you to feel old-fashioned, out of style, frumpy, and uncool every five or six months, maybe more often, so that you will go out and buy more clothes, providing them with an infusion of cash. No, I'm just telling you that's why they're doing it. It's not because fashion actually has to change. It's because they want you to be discontented. Do you really need new clothes and a new style every so often? No. But you feel the need because of this artificial pressure created by the folks who profit from your insecurity. Getting back to what Jesus said, we know God knows that we need food and drink and clothes and a roof over our head and all the other things that we need. He knows and he provides our needs. We don't have to obsess over these things or worry over them. What Jesus invites us to do instead is, is worry about what we need most. And what are those things that we truly need? They are our connection with God, our relationship with him in the kingdom, our receiving of by faith in Jesus' righteousness. If you focus on these things, you'll find yourself giving thanks for the things beyond food and drink and clothing things that actually last. Before we move on, let's go back to verse 21. After directing his followers' attention away from seeking earthly treasure and toward pursuing the heavenly, he tells his followers, that's us, why choosing wisely is so important. Hear him out. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to want what Jesus wants me to want. I want my heart to be set on him, on things above, on what matters for eternity, and sometimes I get things mixed up. You do too, don't you? This is the reason we're talking about giving thanks for out of the ordinary for Thanksgiving Day things. We need help where our minds and our hearts are gonna stray toward loving the pleasures of this world rather than the rewards of the next, toward treasuring stuff over our salvation, toward gratitude for passing things instead of enduring things. With the rest of our time together, I want to read a few passages which I hope will stir up thanksgiving in your heart for eternal, lasting things. Your assignment going forward is to consider what heavenly treasure you might give thanks for at your family gathering on Thursday. 
what future reward you might think on as you shop with your family on Friday or as you play games on Saturday. No pressure, of course. I'm not going to be checking up on you. If your family member's here, they might, but I'm not going to. Give thanks for whatever it is that you're truly thankful for because giving credit to God for his good gifts is good. He is our provider. He provides those treasures on earth and the money and the food and the drink and the clothing we have. They're from his hand. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. everlasting things for which we can give thanks both now and continue to give thanks forever. I want us to start with a few words from Jesus from the beginning of the same chapter we've been in. We're going to continue in Matthew chapter 6 in verses 1 through 4. Jesus introduces this theme which he's going to repeat himself about throughout the rest of this chapter. So here we go. We're going to look at Matthew 6, 1 to 4. And just know that he talks about praying and about fasting in the same way in the verses that follow. But here we go. Verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. To whom is eternal reward given? It's not to the see how great I am crowd. It's to the sneaky givers. The ones that no one would suspect of faithful service. Okay, ready for a trick question? Do you know anyone like this? You probably do. In fact, I guess there are several secret givers sitting in this room right now. Maybe there's a man who's cared anonymously for the needs of a fatherless household, or a woman who's expressed God's love to a widow. Are you one who chooses to act discreetly for the good of others? God will reward you for your every unknown to others kindness. Do you hear? God will reward you. If you had to guess, which do you think is going to be of greater worth to you? The praise of a few people here on earth or the honor of God for eternity? <laughs> you know the answer. God's rewards for the goodness that you do will outshine even the grandest honor this world could ever give. Give thanks to God for the eternal rewards that you will receive upon your arrival in glory. In the latter half of Paul's first letter to the believers gathered in Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18, he talks about the hope that we have after we die. His words often comfort us when dealing with the death of a loved one. He gives us hope. 
for those who have given their life to the Lord. More than that, these verses give us insight into what's going to matter most to us when we're resurrected. So listen to what it says. This is 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I love that Paul says this is what you're supposed to do with this knowledge, is encourage one another. So be encouraged. When people talk about heaven, many, maybe most, talk about their deceased loved one being together with a family member or a best friend who's already deceased. They think about how wonderful it is that husbands and wives and bosom buddies are no longer separated. They imagine, and rightly so, I think, a joyous reunion. But what's the focus of this resurrection passage. It isn't reconnection with friends or with family. The main thing Paul wants to convey to the church is this, and so we will be with the Lord forever. You met Jesus, you put your faith in him, you're sure you're saved, his spirit testifies to all of this, still you do not yet know Jesus in all his fullness. That comes when you've been raised to life. You will soon enough see Jesus, meet Jesus, enjoy Jesus face to face. Being with him forever and ever and ever will be greater by far than any earthly being with you have experienced. Being with your Lord forever will be better than being with your husband or wife for decades. It will be better than sharing a lifelong bond with a second grade classmate. Better than a bond of love you feel with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Thank God this is true. You ready for some more eternal stuff? Turn with me to the end of the book, to the book of Revelation. At the beginning of chapter 21, God gives us a sneak peek at some of what is to come for those who have put their faith in Jesus. Things are going to be completely different, completely amazing, completely good. So listen as I read Revelation 21, 1 to 4. Revelation 21, 1 to 4 starts this way. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Did you catch all the eternal no mores in this passage? No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. We will never, ever, 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 ever encounter these things again. 
when God's kingdom is established eternally, when we are with the Lord forever. We will dwell with God, but not with death and not with mourning and not with crying and not with pain. If you have ever suffered loss, and who hasn't, this is good news. If you've ever wept over anything, this is good news. If you've ever endured pain, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. Woohoo! <laughs> Doesn't Thanksgiving well up within you when you consider these things? No more. Thank God for what he's promised. As we take time to respond to God's word to us now, I urge you to think on and give thanks to God for something eternal. It might be something I spoke about. It might be something else entirely that God brought to your mind as I was talking. I'm sure this list wasn't even nearly complete. Consider the good, the amazing, the wonderful, eternal things that God has promised to those who love him to those who've given their life to him, to those who are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So if your thanksgiving needs to be spoken out loud, feel free to shout it out. You'll find more joy in settling your heart silently on the treasures in heaven. Let your heart be filled with joy. Are you ready to give thanks? Now and throughout this holiday week and throughout eternity? It's time to do that. It's always good to give thanks to God. So I encourage you to respond to him as he leads. God, I'm thankful for your church because your church is eternal. Not only for this church and for those who you've brought to be a part of Pratt Friends Church, but for all of your church, the people that will be together with the Lord forever with. Thank you that your church is eternal and that those who have put their faith in Jesus will live forever. God, help us to find those who don't know you yet, so that they can be a part of that as well. Help us to find eternal things, things that last to do this week. Help us to focus on the treasures that go on and on, instead of just the little things that break and get stolen and fall apart and frustrate us. God, you're eternal and you're great and we worship you and we give thanks to you for you are good and your love and your mercy and your compassion are forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, 
be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.